Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the latest postgame edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber coming to you live from the Lambeau Field press box after the Packers. Bill, I can't believe I'm saying this, 40-14 to 14 win over the Tennessee Titans. You know, these are two teams with Super Bowl aspirations. The Titans were 10-4, and four, Packers were 11-3, and three, two of the NFL's three best offenses, two defenses that weren't very good. Packers go out and win by 26 points. How surprised were you by what we watched tonight? Um, I will ruin all my credibility right off the bat by saying that I predicted the Titans were going to win, so I'm, I'm totally shocked. Um, I mean, that the, pack, that the Packers won isn't some dramatic surprise. I mean, obviously, they're, they're a hell of a good team, but um, not for the life of me that I think 40-14. to 14. And when it was 19-14, to 14, I thought, now it's more like it. The Titans are back in the game, and then, you know, Rodgers has been pleading for how long now, Matt, to play a complete 60-minute <laughs> game, and by God, he got one tonight. And I've, I did a little bit of research at halftime. I actually did some work. And uh, <laughs> Packers have had double-digit leads at halftime in eight games this season. Seven of those games, they've been outscored in the second half. They've only lost one of those games against the Colts. But in seven of those games, they've been outscored kind of uh, giving credence to the theory that they take their foot off the gas when they have big leads. Well, they were up 19-7 to at halftime tonight after having a 19-0 lead. And then the Titans come out and score, make it 19-14 a couple minutes into the second half. And, you know, we were sitting next to each other in the press box. You think, oh, here we go again. Titans are going to make this a game. It's going to come down to the wire. But no, the Packers defense got some stops. The offense took over with A.J. Dillon and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers leading the way. and they eased to a, to a 40 to 14 victory. And, and I want to start with this. They didn't lock up home field advantage yet because the Seahawks beat the Rams today. So all the Packers need to secure the number one seed in home field advantage is either a Seahawks loss against the 49ers next week or a Packers win against the Bears. They don't need both. They just need one of those to happen. Home field advantage isn't really a thing this year because there aren't fans. But in Green Bay, Wisconsin, home field advantage is a thing. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I was blown away tonight. I mean, don't you think, Matt, that this is a game that the home field shouldn't have mattered? I mean, it's Tennessee. I mean, it's it's the stereotypical stuff, right? Where it's crappy outside. You got to run the ball. You got a big running back like Derrick Henry. If any team should have come in here and competed, it should have been the Titans, right? I mean, I'm wrong, but I mean, don't don't you think so? What are we missing? I don't think we're missing anything. I mean... A.J. Brown and Corey Davis had both averaged well over 70 receiving yards per game this season. Derrick Henry, Henry was running for 120 yards per game. You know, he was on pace to, to maybe crack 2,000 this season. He had almost 1,700 rushing yards entering this game. Ryan Tannehill was a top-five MVP candidate, along with Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, and his running back, Derrick Henry, I think you could say. He hadn't thrown multiple interceptions in a game this season, and then the Packers intercept him twice. They hold Derrick Henry to 98 rushing yards. And 
guys like Christian Kirksey and Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage and the Smiths are are all over the field making plays. I mean, if there was a team that it, it, here's the thing, Packers defense has been playing well of late, but that's been against the Eagles, the Bears, um, mm-hmm. teams, the Panthers, teams that the Packers should play well against. This was the game where I think everyone expected, okay, it's going to be a shootout. The Packers defense is going to get exposed, but it's if the offense can do enough. That wasn't the case. You know, they played the most complete game that they've played all season. And I wrote about it tonight. I think more than anything, the biggest takeaway from this game should be that if the Packers play like this on defense, they could win the Super Bowl. Is is that too crazy to say? No. Did you watch the Chiefs today? (laughs) (laughs) Good. good. I mean, the the Chiefs are sputtering along. Maybe they're just just kind of putzing around to the playoffs, getting here and they'll turn it on. But they were fantastic today. Uh, Matt, how many times when when you mentioned Derrick Henry did people tell you he's going to run for 200 yards or 250 yards? Or, I bet the house on the over, you know, whatever whatever the tweet was. I got a million of things along those lines about, and they all say that Derrick Henry is going to run wild tonight. Um, he, he had a couple runs. But, I mean, he gets a couple runs against everybody. It was a great defensive performance against him. Because they bottled him up, everything just fell in the line. Um, clearly, this is the big story tonight was their, I don't want to say dominance of Derrick Henry, but like you said, he's averaging 120 yards a game. Um, and he did literally nothing, nothing of substance when the game mattered. Um, to that, I mean, that is by far, as Mike McCarthy would say, that is the A number one takeaway of this football game. <laughs> I, I have to agree. I a have to agree one. with you. I, I wouldn't go as far to say they shut him down, but... 98 yards for a guy that's averaging 120 and holding him to a full yard per carry below his season average of 5.2. I think they allowed him only 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry tonight, 98 yards on 23 carries. That's really impressive. And, you know, I, I look back at each one of Derrick Henry's games. His longest run tonight was 10 yards. Every other game besides one, his, his longest run against the Browns in week 13 was 10 yards, but in every other game, Derrick Henry has played this season. His longest run of the game has been more than that. So that just goes to show they limited the explosive runs. I know you had him down for nine broken tackles, but you know it, it was one of those games where you know those missed tackles were turning two yard gains into five yard gains, or nothing egregious, really. And you know the Packers are one of the worst tackling teams in the league, and Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league at breaking tackles, arguably. So you thought the marriage of those two would just result in disaster for the Packers tonight. But a run defense that has been labeled as soft, and potentially you know, rightfully so, wrapped him up pretty well tonight. Uh, 10 of his 23 runs were for three yards or less. And I thought with, it, with the exception of one or two runs that gained only 10 yards, they did a really good job of bringing him down and, and not letting him uh, break tackles and make more uh, of certain runs than what he should have. It's what um, LaFleur and Penton have been talking about all season long. It, it's hats to the football. You can get away with missing a tackle if you got three of your buddies there to clean up the mess. So you're right. You know, he broke some tackles, but most of them didn't. Well, you know, like you said, you know, it, it turned two yards into four, and you, you can deal with that. You know, that, that quarterback scramble bites them, and it's the same as the deal as it was with the Eagles here a couple weeks ago where it skews the stats at the end of the night, you're going to look at it 156 yards and 5.8 yards per carry and it just totally overshadows the work they did again. Yeah. It was a fantastic performance um, and certainly bodes well going ahead. It was funny because that <laughs> they sell out to stop Derrick Henry so much that 
if you watch Adrian Amos on that 45-yard touchdown oh, run man. by Tannehill, Tannehill's already passed him pretty much. And Amos is still looking at Derrick Henry, who doesn't have the ball. So, you know, you're, you're probably going to fall. The whole talk was, you know, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. And they were probably going to fall for a couple play actions. And boy, did they fall for that one. But luckily for them, it didn't come back to bite them. Um, you know, I want to say one thing. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Defense before we move on. Everyone thinks that they stink. You know, since the Dalvin Cook game here back, what, November 1st, whatever it was, they're, they were ninth in the league in running rushing defense. Ninth. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we do need to mention, and granted, it's impressive regardless, but I got called out for this on Twitter this week when I mentioned that the Packers were 11th in the league in rushing yards allowed per game. Yes, the Packers get out to early leads and teams don't run the ball as much later in the game because they have to pass to make up for those deficits. So yes, that is the reason why they uh, haven't been allowing as many rushing yards per game. But that's no longer an argument. You can't say, you know, the arguments up until this point were the Packers defense has only played well against bad teams or the Packers run defense has only been uh, good statistically because teams don't run as much late in games. Well, guess what? The Packers just, uh, granted the, the Titans were down big, but the Packers just held a team that was tied for first in the league in points per game, second in the league in yards per game, and the best running back on planet Earth. They all made them look elementary. And you know that's a testament to this Packers defense because now people can't say, oh, the Packers haven't beat anybody. Oh, the Packers haven't, you know, held any good offenses in check. No arguments to be made there anymore. The Packers are just a damn good football team. Yeah, all the all the asterisks, other than special teams, all the other asterisks are, yeah, are other, just melting away here. And oh, that's a pretty big asterisk. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to kill them, Matt. I'm telling you, said in the you said it. You know, maybe it's you're half kill joking, them. but. The Super Bowl, they're they're gonna they're gonna lose the Super Bowl because they're of that. gonna lose the Super Bowl on a punt return touchdown for Tyreek Hill. I mean, tonight it wasn't a punt return, but you know Crosby's field goal is blocked, and they got bailed out by a questionable offsides call. Hey, at least J.K. Scott made a tackle, and I mean they don't they trust their kicking game. I mean, I shouldn't say they trust their kicking game so little because Crosby hasn't missed yet this season technically, but. To go for it on fourth and three, up nineteen nothing, instead of attempting a thirty-yard field goal, I think that speaks to how how much confidence the Packers had, at least in their in their kicking game tonight uh, after that block. But yeah, they got to get something figured out. They, they're thirty-first in the league in in kick return and punt return yardage average. Yardage average that that's not English, but it's one eleven in the morning. Who cares? Yeah. What do you um, want, right? Bottom line is is their special teams are abysmal, and they got to get better until it bites them in the ass. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Um, I wanted to, to transition into our next topic, one that we've talked about a lot because I thought something Aaron Rodgers said tonight was the most interesting thing said after the game. 
And let me get up the exact quote because I think it's powerful in itself, um, just the words of it, rather than me paraphrasing it. So give me a second here. All right. The suspense is building. And I think you know what I'm going to say because I mentioned it in our post-game text chain. All right. That's right. Charles Woodson. Yep. By the way, Charles Woodson on the Twitter tonight yes. said, uh, called the Packers the Super Bowl favorites. Oof. And it's hard to argue with him on that. And obviously, if anybody knows football and what championship football teams look like, Charles it would Woodson. be Charles Woodson. So here's what Aaron Rodgers said. I've said for so long that Charles was the best player that I played with. And Charles could dominate in a way that I've never seen a nickel corner dominate before. It's probably time to start putting Devontae in that conversation because he is that type of player. So tonight, Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Fame quarterback, put Devontae Adams near the same level as Charles Woodson, a surefire, unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. That's pretty incredible. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't just hand out praise like that. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I was my. I don't want to say my jaw dropped, but I mean it's. It's something that just makes you stand up and take notice. I mean, we're we're all busy during these post game things, right? We're doing six different things at once. But it's like, what did he just say? What I think he just said it was. I mean, Woodson was. I mean, there was a stretch in in, in nine, ten, and eleven where, I me, mean, I don't know, I don't know how many. He probably had eighteen or twenty interceptions, defensive touchdowns. He would blitz off the nickel and 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 get sacks. I mean, he was an all around game wrecker. And he was the guy where Dom Capers would put here, there, and everywhere. And wherever Capers would put him, Woodson would win. If, if, if Capers needed to take away a tight end, he'd put Woodson on him. If Capers needed to take away a wide receiver, he'd put Woodson on him. If Capers needed a third down pressure, he would send Woodson. And that's the player Woodson was. And it is Devonta Adams. Whatever the situation, whatever the route, wherever you line him up, Devonta delivers. I mean, he caught it. Everyone talks about these stats, and you know, well, yeah, he, he throws him a million passes. He caught eleven of twelve tonight. <laughs> I mean, That's good insane. heavens! I mean, he's the best receiver in the league. It's not even a question anymore. And I mean, after <laughs> after last game where the Panthers pretty much held him in check, you know, the talk was about finding ways to get Devontae involved. I mean, I don't care about talking about it on this podcast. I was facing Devontae Adams in in the finals of my fantasy league with a thousand dollars on the line, <laughs> and you know. I've enjoyed covering Devonte. You know, he's a, a good guy and a great interview. And I've even had some fun with him at practice, you know, playing catch. And he's teasing me about my outfits. But God damn, man, he's going to make a huge hole in my bank account this week. 11 catches, 142 yards, three touchdowns. I was favored to win my matchup by a lot. Not a lot, but I was favored to win. And boy, he just kicked me right in the you know what tonight with with that performance so i'm going to lose a thousand dollars tomorrow um thanks to Devonte adams but hey we get to cover the best wide receiver in football that's interesting right so what what is worse matt what is it worse that you lost a thousand dollars tonight or from the story that i've told because my my kids are homeschooling so I, I don't go to practice anymore that you punted the ball back to him and you shanked it yeah so what's worse i'll, I'll do a quick explanation of that Standing on the sideline at practice the other day, Devontae throws me a pass about 20, 25 yards. I never played football. I, I was a soccer player, basketball, baseball. Um, no big deal. Three-sport athlete in high school, at least for a, a certain period of time. 
And I wanted to make sure that I caught it. I didn't want to drop it first. So I made a, a body catch, not a hand sketch. That was my first mistake. That's what he made fun of me for. Then my hands were cold and I'm not a great thrower of the football, I'll, I'll admit it. And I think it's much more acceptable socially, at least to have a bad punt than a bad throw. You got to be able to know how to throw a football. You don't really have to be able to know how to punt a football. I also thought maybe a punt was more reliable because I played soccer. My shoe wasn't tied. It was really cold. That ball was rock solid and is a lot bigger than I thought. So I just punted it, shanked that too, all around embarrassment. I'm surprised my credentials haven't been revoked, but um, I think that was his way of saying to me, don't ever punt me a football again. You better th- make a hands catch and throw it back to me or else I'm going to cost you $1,000. And I don't blame him. <laughs> I w- in your defense, um, I, th- I think people know Aaron Rodgers likes the ball like super inflated. Mm-hmm. His the Packers footballs, are, they are rock solid and they are slicker than you know what. They are not like the high school football or the college football that's a little soft and it's a little tacky. Like I play catching yard. I, I look like Devonta Adams because the ball is – a nice football the Packers balls they are yeah they're, they're not they're, it, I, so I will make an excuse for you they, they are not easy to catch and that's because you can blame that on the quarterback <laughs> something that I was looking for a good transition there I, I there wasn't really one but what I want to touch on last before we get to questions is uh the Packers starting running back in the 2021 NFL season AJ Tillon <laughs> holy <laughs> cow <laughs> this guy misses six weeks after he tests positive for COVID. And he comes right back in, second game back, 21 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. He's a rookie, second rounder. Everyone craps on Goody for, for taking him. And, you know, we'll see if it, it turns out to, to be a good pick. But, man, I remember talking to his coaches and teammates, and I was, I was texting with Eddie Fish, who uh, was Dylan's roommate in high school and at Boston College tonight after the game and everything that Eddie told me back in May and everything that his former coaches told me back in May is you will see come December and January why they made this pick you do not want to tackle this guy in the snow in December and January and holy hell were they right <laughs> yeah that was he, he's he's everything that we were told is going to be I thought you know I'm sure you probably talked to Brian White yep. too, right his running backs coach who um probably a lot of Packers fans remember he was he coached at Wisconsin with Ron Dane and and James. I mean that whole pantheon of Badgers back. So I mean, um, Brian White's not blowing sunshine up your butt when he's talking about great running backs because he's coached a million of them. And yeah, he swears by the guy. Uh, he was fun. I mean, he gets a a. I think think it's impressive that he got the ball twenty one times. You know, three weeks after coming off the COVID list. I mean that 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 workload is impressive. Um, but I mean, he's just bulldozing guys. He's got breakaway speed. He is. Um, you're right. Age, he's, uh, he, look, I mean, Aaron Jones probably wasn't going to resign here anyway, right? Yeah. But it's, I, I think, uh, it's, it'll, it'll make it easier, more palatable to let these other guys walk because, again, you hate to throw the guy a parade after one game, but man, oh man, that looks like the total package tonight. He was, he's amazing. And what, what's he going to be like when, when Aaron Jones is gone and it's 2021 and he gets to have 15 carries one week and then 18 and then, you know, he gets to, he gets to get a workload built up and some experience. I mean, this is just coming coming in cold. I mean, literally. And the right. funny part was uh, Matt LaFleur told us after the game, he actually called for more carries for Jones or or for Dylan, rather. But running backs coach Ben Sermons was like, no, we got to give him a breather here. <laughs> like he, he hadn't carried that much. He's 
getting his win back off of, off of COVID. And, you know, the Packers just want to feed him. And, you know, they fed him 21 times tonight, and, and he handled it pretty well. So I was really impressed with what I saw from A.J. Dillon tonight, and I'm sure a lot of people back in the Northeast where he's from were impressed as well. All right, let's get to some questions. First one from Mike Genre. I'll answer this one myself quickly. Date of arrival of gold tracksuit. Mike? This has been something that's yeah. I'm not feeling that one. I will not have. This a has been track, something so. that's irking me. It was I, I ordered it on December second, shipped on December fifth. Said seven to fourteen days business shipping days. Still hasn't come. I emailed them a couple of days ago. They said it's on its way, so it will be here. Don't you worry. And there will be pictures uh, from Benny at Benny Boy two oh nine. Is the MVP title all wrapped up for Rogers? And if not, what does he have to do next week to win it? I just think he has to avoid disaster next week. I think um, he has it in pretty comfortable grasp. He has Mahomes beat handily in completion percentage, passing touchdowns, passer rating. You know, he has fewer interceptions, more rushing touchdowns. The only things Mahomes hasn't beaten is passing yards, and uh, Mahomes has thrown significantly more passes, has better weapons, um, and team record. Chiefs are 14 and 1, Packers are 12 and 3. What do you think? It's interesting. Uh, you know, we we both follow the Vegas stuff. Mahomes is still like a heavy favorite. And I, I, maybe it'll I saw change a tweet after tonight that swung the odds in Rogers' favor. Let me try and pull it up. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So last I saw it was, um, you know, Mahomes was in the low one one hundreds, and and Rogers around four fifty. I think is the lowest shortest odds I saw on him. Look, Vegas doesn't. They're they're not in the, they're not necessarily in the in the prediction business. Um, they have other things going on where they're trying to maybe attract some money to to lower their liability elsewhere. But it is interesting that Mahomes has been the guy week after week when we hold these MVP conversations. And to me, I don't know how it's not Rodgers. I mean, no, no, Mahomes is having a great year, but man, oh man, everybody ripped Goody for not giving Rodgers weapons, which is you know probably a fair assessment. But if you're going to criticize the lack of weapons, you better take notice of what this guy's doing because he is having an unbelievable year again. So, Bill, he completed a 13-yard pass to a guy named Dominique Daphne tonight. That should yep. be on the top of his MVP resume. 21 out of 25 tonight. I mean, the guy's not, not bad. A, on a crap. He did have the and interception, that and down, that was a that, bad inter- that That pass to Adams in the fourth quarter. Gee, I mean, it was a great catch by Adams, too. But, I mean, there, the, he, he was not open. It was again a 32 in no. the first down. The interception was bad, and he knows that. But um, on FanDuel, I know there are a bunch of different sports books out there. FanDuel has Rodgers at minus 145 and Mahomes at plus 140. That's a huge swing. Huge swing. So I would say Rodgers has the lead going into week 17. The Chiefs play the Chargers next week with the one seed already locked up. So does Mahomes even play a full game? The Packers uh, need to win, and Rodgers will play against the Bears, and he's going to play, probably play well. So um, this one's for you, Bill. At Kwai Chang Kane, Lambeau West, I don't know if I pronounced that right, if Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle all finish 12-4, and four, what seed does Green Bay get? <laughs> oh, man. I, I hate to butcher these things because there's, there's so much crap that can go on. Um, so much If they crap. all finish 12-4, and four, um, that would mean Green Bay loses to the Bears, so it goes to conference record. New Orleans would be number one, I believe. Just thinking off the top of my head, because New Orleans, 
I believe, would have the better conference record over everybody else. I, you know, I believe New Orleans has lost two. I'm going to try to babble here and get to I'm the pu- uh, yeah, GSIS. Babble while I pull up the standings. <laughs> yes, I am too. So the Saints have lost two conference games, and Green Bay has also lost two. So if the Saints and Packers are both 12-4, and four, that means Green Bay has now has three conference losses. Right. So New Orleans is number one ahead of Green Bay. And if Seattle's 12 and 4 and Green Bay is 12 and 4, then obviously the first tiebreakers head to head, they didn't play. Second tiebreakers conference record, they both be 9 and 3. Third tiebreaker is common games. And Seattle's beaten everybody that Green Bay has played. Green Bay lost to Minnesota once, so Green Bay would be number three. Okay. All right. Beat the Bears and you get the one seed. It's that simple. Yes. Speaking of playoff seedings and stuff, Nick from Jersey wants to know which team presents the biggest challenge to Green Bay in the NFC. Yeah, that's a great question, Nick. I still think it's the Buccaneers because you saw tonight how difficult it can be to come up here and play in the snow. As cliche as that sounds, coming up to Green Bay is is not anything anybody wants. And I don't see Jared Goff, uh, especially after he broke his thumb tonight, I believe, uh, Jared Goff or Kyler Murray or Mitch Trubisky or Russell Wilson, who has never won at Lambeau Field, or Drew Brees coming up here and winning. Uh, Tom Brady's played in the cold for two decades. Um, I I still think the Buccaneers' defensive line presents the biggest challenge to the Packers' offensive front, and they've just got weapons all over the place. And and I know the Titans do as well, and the Packers shut them down tonight pretty much, but you know it's hard not to say the Buccaneers after what the Buccaneers did to the Packers in Tampa earlier this year, even uh, if the game is is here, considering Brady's experience in the cold. Yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to argue that. I will say New Orleans defense is really good, and maybe that offsets Drew Brees freezing here. I, I, I mean, of nah. all the teams in this playoff, I think getting New Orleans here compared to going to there, I think that is the biggest difference. If you, if you go through all these playoff teams, I think that's huge. But yeah, it, it's hard to argue Tampa after what Tampa did early in the season. All right, from George Hagstrom, the Packers used an extra defensive lineman and blitzed plenty. At least it seemed like it from watching on TV. It worked perfectly against the Titans. Do you think they should slash will employ this defense more regularly, or was the success because of the matchup? I think, you know, beefing up that defensive front, there were times where they had four defensive linemen. They played in, in base, at least I think, more often than they normally do. I'd have to go and watch back. I think that was based on the matchup. They wanted to kind of stack the box, uh, considering Derrick Henry uh, was there. I thought they blitzed really effectively tonight, especially with some of the DBs like Savage. Um, I think the plan was, you know, when they didn't run to just try and make Tannehill uncomfortable back there because uh, they knew they were going to use play action a lot and, and making Tannehill uncomfortable back there after play action. Um, would be effective in, in getting him to make some bad decisions, and it and it did. It worked out well. I don't know how effective that'll be going forward against teams that um, don't rely on the run so much. So I would say it was based more so on the matchup tonight. But it'll be interesting to see because you know playing Kirksey and and Kamal and Chris Barnes and that four defensive lineman lineup worked pretty well tonight. But I don't know how well it will work against other teams. Yeah, I agree with you, and, and I and. Part of me wonders if, if the fuel helps in that too, where um, you're, maybe you're more confident that Alexander and King can match up with Brown and Davis 
on a crappy field than you would be, you know, say there's a re- Super Bowl rematch in Tampa in early February. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe playing on a better field works more in Tennessee's direction and you can't go there out. But it's a, it's a good question though, because I, I look at Alexander and King and say, boy, I got, I got two damn good corners and maybe I should just go let those two. In fact, I asked that to Petten a month and a half, two months ago. Should you just let those guys go cover and try to go stop the run? Um, they did tonight, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I do think it's more of a matchup based thing than, than some sort of, uh, magic bullet. Very well Clay said. Clay E wants to know, is it time to finally give credit to Mike Pettin for a job mostly well done? Yeah, yeah well I would time. say so. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Christian Kirksey, both called out Pettin for dialing up a really good plan tonight. I thought he mixed it up really well with different looks than we've seen in the past, like we just touched on. Um, a couple creative blitzes. At the end of the day, it's all about the execution. And, and Darnell Savage and Kirksey and Jair Alexander, I thought, played extremely well tonight, uh, mainly Savage and Kirksey. But I, I thought, uh, I wrote in my story, if Patton rolled down his window and blared music on his way home with his middle finger out the window, I wouldn't blame him tonight. <laughs> Can you see that? The guy is so mild-mannered in front of us. And just, That'll be awesome. He's just like this most... He's like the most patient guy listening to our nonsense we ask him half the time. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. You know, again, I'm not saying that his defense is great, but um, I, I I do think it's time for people to get with the program here that everybody's scoring a lot of points and that Green Bay is giving up points isn't somehow unusual. Right. Um, again, I'm not saying that, but I thought tonight was, was a obviously a great sign here for him. All right, let's do a couple quick hitters before we get out of here. Quick one sentence answers at Casey Go Pack Go Matt. Do you chug several beers after a victory? If the answer is no, you're doing it wrong. Uh, no, I don't. I haven't drank in almost a month, and I'm trying to continue that streak. At Jack Kuner, is it time to pay Corey Lindsley? The Packers rushing looked great, and I don't think it was a coincidence Lindsley was back in the lineup for the first time in a few weeks. That's a great question. I don't think they will, but I think they should. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I just don't know where the, the salary cap money comes from. The, the, if I'm Goody, I've got to redo Devontae Adams' contract because that's where you can really get some cap savings for next year, and obviously you get the upside of extending him for three, four years. So I, I am going to, I believe it's Frank Bowers' agent, i got to say, hey, can we get something done here and make it a win-win? That's what I'm doing. Yeah, you got to lock him up. Him and, him and Jair are the two big ones coming up after next season. Uh, at S. Lobenstein, speaking of Jair, is Jair the best cornerback in the NFL right now? Yes or yes? <laughs> I don't know because I don't watch the other cornerbacks enough. But if you watch him tonight, you'd be hard. You, you wouldn't be crazy to say he is Pro Bowl starter. Uh, played at an All Pro level tonight. What do you say? I'm with you, Matt, and I. I want to make it clear. I'm. The, we are not those people who pretend that we've watched every game and dice it. No, I'm not going to pretend that I have watched every corner and have studied these guys. And people who tell you that are all lying to you, probably. I have no idea if he's the best corner, but he gave, what, two catches tonight? He broke up three passes. Is that probably a fair assessment of his night? Yeah. Against a damn good receiver? Um, yeah. And Corey Davis still hasn't caught a pass tonight, by the way. That's true. Oh, <laughs> hey, and lastly. My, my buddy Steve Clark, by the way, has an answer before we're up the, up the podcast. How much of an effect does Alan Lazard have on the Packers' running game? Oh, man. he he On that... I know Aaron Jones stepped out of bounds, but um, 
he's really good in, in as a run blocker. And and we've talked to him before. He said he'd much rather block for a long run than catch a long pass. And, you know, example 1A was him blocking for that long 59-yard Aaron Jones run. That shouldn't have counted, but that's neither here nor there when we're talking about Alan Lazard's blocking prowess. Granted, uh, on MVS's fumble against the Colts, MVS, uh, I just said MVS. Was he, is he still on the team? Uh, Alan Lazard blocking for MVS's fumble against the Colts wasn't great, but uh, overall, he, he's a really good run blocker. Yeah, and he's, he's such an advantage, too, where you can go different personnel groups, and he, he lines in the backfield a lot, kind of not really a tight end, but he's kind of back there as a tight end-ish kind of player. And he's, he's pass, he's pass protect. I mean, he, he does a lot of different stuff there that you don't see from a lot of receivers. He's an unbelievably, uns, unbelievably unsung hero. That's really bad English. Unbelievably unselfish. <laughs> and lastly, Cecilia J. Bugface, of course. Yeah, got to have her. Is, is, if Jenkins is setting records as a QB, which lineman would make the best wide receiver? It's got to be Bakhtiari, right? Gotta, you got to give, give it to Bakhtiari. <laughs> Although Billy Turner's dad was a Ooh. running back for the Vikings. Okay, there you go. So I'm going to assume that's that... That's why we pay you the big bucks, Bill, for nuggets yeah, like so that. I, I'm going to assume that there's probably some backyard games a catch. Yeah. So he's probably good, but man... I'd say so. Dave can run. He really can. 17.65 miles per hour, or no, 16.75 miles per hour. Next-gen stats on that on that Aaron Jones run against the Eagles. So that's probably a good way to end it. Yeah. Talking about stuff we've talked about before. You know, next week, 325 p.m. kickoff, not the Sunday night game. Hooray. So we'll know by uh, maybe then if the Packers have the one seed or not. We'll talk to you guys then next Sunday night for Bill, for myself, for our fantastic producer, Danielle. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Head of the Pack.